You're listening to Shalise's podcast. Okay, well, you guys, let's pray and let's connect to what the Lord is speaking to us today. So, Father, I just thank you for this final uh, episode in this series that we've been doing called The God of Desire. And I thank you, Father, that you truly are the author of our dreams and our desires, Father. Thank you that desire is a core part of compassion. It's a it's a core part of love. It's a core part of who you are. It is your desire, Father, that we connect to the desires of our hearts, that we know that you are a good father that cares about our desires, that cares about our dreams and longs to see our desires fulfilled. Our deepest desires, Father, are divine. And so, Lord, we just want to hear from you today. We want to hear about the way you think about our desires. We want to hear more about your desire Uh, for us and for us to live a life that is fulfilled where we experience everything that belongs to us in Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to the broadcast today. We say, take us where we need to go. Shine the light on what we need to see. Uh, Give us ears to hear what you are saying, what you are speaking. Teach us, teach us, Lord, uh, just the, the, the keys of the kingdom and how our desire is a core way that you motivate us, that you drive us through our desires. And uh, Lord, we just say, we ask you to just lead us into more intimacy with you so that we would know your heart, that we would understand that you are a God of desire and that we would experience desire the way that you do, uh, that you've redeemed desire. And we want to live out of our hearts. We want to live connected to your heart of love and relate to you as the God of desire. And so we just give you praise in advance. I just yield myself now. And I just say, uh, think through my mind, uh, speak through my mouth and uh, take us where we need to go today in Jesus name. Amen. Well, awesome. You guys, we have, we've um, covered some ground in this series, uh, really with the purpose of redeeming desire, with the purpose of understanding the role that desire plays in our relationship with God and in our relationship to our purpose and in our relationship with our own heart and with ourselves. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about how religion has really done a disservice (laughs) to this word desire and caused us to quench really uh, this this idea that we can live from a place out of our desire. You know, there's a, a, you know, we say this scripture, we say different scriptures, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, you know, we've even, I've even heard people teach on that scripture before things like when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you his desires. Like, our desires are wrong and his desires are good. And so therefore we need to, you know, let go of our own desires and get, let God give us his desires. And the first thing I want to say about that is 
I don't think inherently there's something wrong with God's desires because God's desires are good. He knows the thoughts and the plans that he has for us to give us a hope and give us a future. God's will for us is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's desire is the kingdom for us. God's desire is wholeness and wellness and abundance. So it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of people don't necessarily equate God's desires to those things. They don't equate God's desires to abundance. They don't uh, equate God's desire to health and wholeness. I mean, people think, I mean, there are people out there that think that God uses suffering to teach them something. And so God's desire is like for you to grow through suffering or God's desire is to withhold something from you so that you can somehow mature. But that is a really poor understanding of the gospel. Um, God doesn't use suffering to teach us. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, um, I'm not saying that we are immune from suffering, but we need to make sure that we understand that suffering is not from God, that sickness is not from God, that lack is not from God. And he's not using those things that are really there to steal, kill, and destroy to teach us something. Uh, he is there to lead and guide us into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the truth is that we are joint heirs with Jesus. The truth is we've been redeemed from the curse. The truth is that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. That if it has to do with lack and poverty and sickness and anything else that's under the curse, that that's not God's desire for us. And so when people say that, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, it's important to have a really good understanding of the goodness of God if that's good, if that's going to be good news. You know, otherwise, we're going to have a really hard time trusting God or even delighting in God and believing that he is good. And so I think, you know, we've also heard, you know, scriptures from Mark eleven twenty four, 24, right? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Uh, and that is an incredible scripture. Whatever, so whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. I mean, that sounds like a permission slip that is almost dangerous, right? Because we inherently, because of sin consciousness, because of our unfortunately, many times default view of being separated from God, right? We think that there are a ton of desires that we sh that are wrong, that we have a, a like a, we don't just have a, a, a relationship with desire, like it's desire is demonic or desire is wrong, right? Like the, the enemy has hijacked this thing of desire. We think of the desire and lust as the same things. Uh, and so we get these things confused and we think, you know, the lusts of the flesh, you know, somehow we need to be careful of the lusts of the flesh. So we need to be careful with our desires. And so we, we get into this role because of separation from God, because we see ourselves separate from God of like judging or like in the self judgment mode of, is this desire okay? And is this okay to have to, to ask God for this? You know, and we get all of that from this, this place of living from the idea that we are separated from God. And so we have a separated from God relationship with desire. Okay. Whether we are delighting ourselves in the Lord and hoping the Lord gives us his desires because our desires are wrong 
or we are holding back in what we are asking the Lord and able to receive from the Lord because we we are nervous that our desires are wrong or they are really coming from the flesh or the lusts of the flesh or something. So we have this kind of like, I don't know, just lack of confidence. We have a lack of confidence in our, our ability to even give ourselves permission to desire. And we have these, this idea that, that holy desires are, are just spiritual things and they're not physical things. They're not a, a desire to uh, live in a nice home or desire to uh, prosper or, you know, we, we be careful because the, 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 you know, uh, money is the root of all evil. And we, we have, which obviously the love of money is the root of all evil. But, you know, we have these, we, we, we have these religious ideas mixed up in our hearts about desire. And the, we have this Gnosticism, right? Which we've talked about in a previous, previous episodes, which means that we've, it's kind of creeped into the Western church, which means that mater the material world is bad. The spiritual world is, is good. And so all material things are evil because they're in the world and the world is evil. And so we have this like conflict in our heart about desires and we have this confusion in our heart about desires. And we don't, um, what, what it means is it takes our heart offline and we're so worried because we're living from that default separation from God perspective and judging, right, good and evil, we're back in this place of trying to be good and trying to judge, and we're judging our hearts, desires, are these good, are these evil? And we end up in this place with, with shut down hearts and a lack of authenticity, frankly, in our relationship with God. And I don't know if that's making sense to you guys, but I just know the Lord wants to bring our hearts back online. And we are designed to live out of our hearts. Yes, in union with Jesus, because we have new hearts. We have been given a new heart. You know, I, you, we hear these Old Testament scriptures, right? Like uh, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it, right? And so it, we even have this idea that we can't trust our heart because the things in our heart, there's only evil in our heart, right? We, 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 we disconnect from our heart out of, out of fear, out of fear of being bad, out of fear of being wrong, out of fear that desire is going to lead us into sin, out of fear that desire itself is sinful. And that's what a religious spirit does. That's what a system of religious religion does, right? It, it, it causes us to live out of fear. It causes us to live out of a place of separation from God. But when we recognize that we have been given a new heart, that the, the our heart is the home of the Holy Spirit, it is our spirit, that our heart's desires are a tree of life, that God, God, you know, created human beings to live out of their hearts. You know, the Garden of Eden was called the Garden of Delight. In other words, the Garden of Desire. And desire is not wrong. Desire, in fact, when we um, don't have our desires fulfilled, it's it's it causes us to be to be um, broken. You know, a heart a, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? So when we don't have desires that have been fulfilled, our heart is broken. Our heart gets sick. Okay. Now, 
it's almost like whenever you teach on desire or you teach on these topics, like you almost have, to, it's like in Christian world, we almost have to give like a disclaimer on this because it's almost like you got to be careful. You got to be careful what you desire, you know, because you don't want to get over into sin and you don't want to, you don't want to get over into lust, you know, and we, what happens is guys is we've been so sin conscious and we've been so separated from God programmed that we end up playing independent judge of our own hearts, right? We end up, we end up having this relationship with good and evil, judging our desires apart from God, even, and shutting down our hearts and, and, and because it's safer. It's safer not to just have these, these dreams or these desires because it, it, we don't want to, we don't want to be bad. We don't want to, we don't want to enter into an area of the flesh. We don't want to be friends with the world. We don't want to, um, we don't want to be looked upon as carnal. We don't want to uh, be thought of as greedy. Uh, and so we have our reputations, right? We have, we have our reputations to protect. So we need to keep our desires and the things that we, that we actually, um, that we give ourselves permission to enjoy, uh, we need to give, you know, we need to keep those things in check, you know, in check because holiness is next to godliness and holiness looks like piety. Holiness looks like um, moderation and holiness looks like, uh, I don't know, it looks like a monastery or something. I don't know exactly what we think. And a lot of this is just, we just pick it up. We pick it up. In, in church, we pick it up around believers or around Christians. And we have not really connected to the extravagance of God. Even though when you have a lens for extravagance and you have a, a lens for the gospel and you have a lens for abundance, you see scripture different. And so instead of seeing everything through a sin conscious desire is wrong lens, you can go find the abundance places in the scripture if you see through a different lens. Meaning Solomon had so much abundance. I mean, he he had to write Ecclesiastes because all of his desires had been fulfilled to such a to, to such a degree that he was just like it's all vanity. Meaning, you know, so much wealth that the queen of Sheba fainted. Right, so much abundance, so much excellence. I mean, the temple was glorious, right? It was it was obscene in its display of wealth. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so those both those perspectives are in scripture. And when we don't when we have been programmed into a place of fear of independent desire, fear of having a desire is being wrong, fear of desiring too much because it's not holy, then we get into a place, you guys, where we tolerate a lot of things in our lives that are not in heaven. And if heaven is inside of us and heaven is, is our, where our citizenship actually resides, okay? We are citizens of heaven right this very minute. Um, we are seated in heavenly places uh, right this very minute, you know, but <laughs> when our hearts are shut down from desire, it's like 
we cannot release heaven through our lives. Um, we, we can't connect with the glory of God, which is the goodness of God that he wants to display through our lives. Ultimately, as a living epistle, that's, that's really what Jesus wants to be through our lives. He wants, uh, he wants to be a living, he wants us to have be a living letter of his goodness. He wants our lives to be a demonstration of his character, of his nature, and yes, of his glory, of his goodness. You know, his goodness and his glory are the same thing. When Moses said, show me your glory, he said, I'll allow all, you know, God said, I will allow all my goodness to pass before you. And so the God of desire is a God of goodness. And if it says in Romans that if he gave us his son, if he freely gave us Jesus, why would he withhold anything else from us? He gave his his best already. And he gave us the keys to the kingdom. He gave us the keys to his glory. He gave us the keys to heaven itself. And if it exists in heaven, it is part of our inheritance in Christ. And so if you want to do like a real like desire check, like, is what I desire something that is heaven, right? Is is abundance heaven? Is uh, relationships that are um, loving and healthy, uh, is that in heaven? Is is enjoying a vacation in heaven? Is are, are all of these things that we think we worry? Is this is this is this a desire? Is this a godly desire? You know, if the desire is heaven, then it is yours in Christ. And what I love, I mean, I, I've taught a little bit, bit a bit about this in the series, but I want to I want to go back to uh, a scripture in the Mirror Translation that I just love because let's talk about before I go there. Let's talk about what. What does, if we have a lot of us have a separated perspective about desire, you know, where we're over, you know, on one side over here, God's over here on the other side, we've got these desires. We're not even sure if, if they're, if it's okay to have these desires, but then we're, you know, we're over here trying to say, okay, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me his desires, or I'm going to come to the Lord and I'm going to say, uh, whatsoever things I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them, you know, so I'm going to bring my desires to God and then I'm going to hope that he grants them. Okay. These are just some ways that the sep the illusion of separation creeps into this area of desire. Well, what if we just decided to believe the gospel? And what if we believed that we are one with God, meaning that our hearts are one, that we have a new heart. That's what the new covenant says. He's already given us a new heart. It's not our heart is not an old covenant anymore. It's a new heart. It's a new spirit. It's one heart, one baptism, one Lord. And we have his heart. And we have uh, his desires in our heart already. Like what if we just decided that the desires that I have in my heart are is how God's leading me? but he's actually leading me through the things that I desire. Because when we sit down 
And really, when I really talk with people, when I sit down and I say, you know, what is it that you really want? If people just gave themselves to be permission to be honest, okay, rather than worrying about is this wrong or this right? Is this right? I mean, very, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody say, I'm not saying that this isn't something, a temptation that comes to people's heart, but it's not like they're saying, well, I just desire to, you know, cheat on my husband. I just desire to cheat on my wife. I just desire to swindle the IRS out of taxes. I just desire to go become a drug addict. I just desire these things. I mean, they may, I, I, my point is, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about most people that are in those situations, if they had a happy marriage, they would not be wanting to cheat on their wife. If they had an abundance, they would not be wanting to swindle the IRS. If they had peace in their heart, they would not be wanting to go do drugs or whatever it is that we think the things that we desire that are not the right desires are actually, that's not even the desire. The desire is for peace, righteousness, and joy. The desire is for fulfillment. The desire is to be whole. The desire is to have abundance. The desire is to have whole, healthy, loving relationships. Like the desire is not wrong, right? And that's what I'm trying to get us to connect to, not just the, the, the surface thing, right? It, it's really, I desire the kingdom. I desire heaven on earth. I desire to live above the curse. I desire to see Jesus glorified. I desire to see signs and wonders. I desire to build visions that bless people and change the world and hire people in dream jobs. And I desire to solve problems. I desire to alleviate suffering. I desire to help other people have healthy relationships. I desire to um, help people connect with the, with the power of God. I, I, I want to see, you know, the kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> like if you really unpack all of these things and you get down to the core of it, most believers actually want the same thing. What they what they don't want is what's not in heaven. They don't want depression. They don't want lack. They don't want anxiety. They don't want suffering. They don't want physical sickness. They don't want um, rejection. They don't. I mean, and and beloved, I get that we live in a in a in a fallen world. I, I'm just saying when we really give ourselves permission to connect with the desires of our heart what we will find is that they're godly and that not only are they godly, but that these things are the desires of God and that our hearts and God's hearts heart is one, that we have one heart and that it is okay. It is safe. It is important. It is frankly required for us to get down to what do we really desire in our hearts? Because if God is leading us through our desires, which is, I'm gonna read this scripture in a moment that talks about this, through our union with him, if God is leading us through our desires, if we are not pursuing the things that God has put in our hearts, if we're not pursuing the desires of our hearts, then we are wasting precious time. Because our deepest desires are, are connected to our purpose. They're connected to the glory of God. They're connected to the manifestation of heaven on earth. And so let me read this scripture, okay? It's from John 15 in the uh, mirror translation. And I've talked about this already, but I want to look at desire once again from a union perspective. And I want to talk about desire from an intimate perspective. 
because desire and intimacy and union and oneness are all intertwined in God's heart, in God's definition of desire. See, there's no independence and there's no sin consciousness in our union with Jesus. And our union with Jesus, our oneness with Jesus is a place of rest. It's a place where the things in our heart are important. And here's the way um, John describes it in the in the message, I'm sorry, in the mirror translation, okay? In John 15, verse 7 and 8. And these scriptures, if you don't have the mirror translation, I, I really encourage you to download that on your phone because it is just gospel goodness. And you can just read a few chapters. You can read a few verses and I'll tell you, it will yank you back into union. It will yank you back into the goodness of what God has done in the gospel. And here, I want to read this in John 15, verse 7. It says, my words find voice in you with your abiding in me and my words abiding in you a conversation is inspired and i want to say here an intimate conversation is inspired it says a conversation is inspired well you will request that which arises in your desire from our union and it shall come to pass for you so I want to stop here for a moment and I want to give you guys a little bit of an analogy of the scripture. So this is saying that when we are abiding in union with Jesus, that there's going to be an intimate conversation that arises and it's going to be a desire about, it's going to be a, a conversation about desire. And we know this, right? We are the bride of Christ. That marriage is a picture of us and Jesus in the fact, and that is a beautiful picture. Why? Because it's an intimate picture. It's a picture of two becoming one. It's a picture of the most intimate of human relationships. And this intimate relationship is the birthplace of desire, right? It's the birthplace of passion. <laughs> it's the birthplace of procreation. It's the birthplace of fruitfulness. And so there's not a coincidence that we're talking about union and fruitfulness and intimacy in the context of John 15, that fruitfulness comes from intimacy. It comes, procreation, the ultimate kind of intimacy in a marriage, is it comes from desire. And so in our union with God, this is an in the most intimate relationship that we are ever going to have. There is no other relationship, no other human relationship, including our human marriages, that are as intimate as our relationship with Jesus. Our husbands do not know our thoughts before we think them. Our wives do not know our words before they we speak them. Our spouses do not fully understand us. Our, our spouses do not experience life from our perspective, meaning they're not living inside of us. They're still independent from us. We become one, but that's over time, right? I mean, my goodness, that's that's a lot of intimate time together before two shall become one. It's a process in human marriage, but it's not a process in the in in our union with Jesus. He is in us right now, knowing every thought, knowing every desire, knowing every dream, knowing every struggle, knowing everything about us. I remember when. I mean, this is kind of an example of this. When the Lord really began to talk to me about this is when I was, I had, you know, serial miscarriages and I really, really desired a baby. I desired a baby um, and I was not having them. 
And it was painful. It was very, very painful. But I was walking this out with Jesus. And I remember when I when I finally got pregnant with Lily and I was going to like, you know, the birthing classes and going through, you know, having your baby book and doing all those things. I just remember thinking, man, Brian is not really experiencing this. It's, it's, he's not as excited about it as I am. I mean, he's excited, but he's kind of a low key guy. And even if he was excited, sometimes you might not know it <laughs> just because he's a kind of a chill dude. And I just remember kind of feeling hurt about that in my heart. And Jesus said this to me. He said, you know what? Let the guy off the hook. You know, Shalise, no one understands you the way that I do. And who do you think gave you this child anyway? You know, and it was this aha moment for me that God is the most intimate person in my life. And he is the author of fruitfulness in my life. Yes, physical children, but also every other fruit, all fruit that comes out of my life, he is the giver of those things. Why? Because they come from abiding in Christ. And so I wanna say this, guys, this, this concept of our desire is the most intimate conversation we can have with the Lord. You know, a conversation is inspired through your union with God. You know, it's not just he knows our thoughts before we speak them and he knows our words before we speak them. He's saying my words are in you. My seed is in you. My 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 desire, my dreams are in you. We're one. And when you abide in me and my my word abides in you, well, guess what? There's a conversation that, that we're going to have. It's intimate, this intimate conversation. We're going to enjoy intimacy. And from that intimacy, Man, you're going to request what arises from these union desires, from these, these are like, it's like a married couple sitting down and dreaming together. It's like, what do we desire for our marriage? What do we desire for our life together? What do we desire for our future, right? And this is the conversation that, that intimacy with God is all about you guys. It's about what can we create? What can we desire, Lord? What 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 do we dream together? What do we dream as one? What is it what is in my heart? What's in your heart? Let's have a conversation about our desire. Let's have a conversation about fruitfulness and 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 what you want to display through my life. The goodness that you want to come through my life. How can how you want to glorify yourself through me? And, and make me into a receiver of your goodness flowing through my life so that fruitfulness comes forth out of my life in, in astounding ways that display your glory, that, that help other people taste and see who you actually are. Because when you bless me, I'm blessed to be a blessing to others. When, when you glorify yourself through me, you reveal who you are to others. You know, Jesus in the last part of his life said, Father, I have glorified you here on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And then he says, I have revealed you to the to those that you've given me. And in the Amplified Version, it says, I've revealed your very self, your nature to those that you've given me. And you guys, desires are the connection. Intimacy is this connection. Okay, if we go back into the, the mirror translation here in verse eight, it says these union inspired desires bear the very fruit that endorses the Father's glory. This is where true discipleship is born. Let me just paraphrase this, that union-based desires is where true discipleship is born. Union-based desires, recognizing that our hearts are one with God and having this intimate conversation about our desires 
and, and allowing ourselves to be a conduit of God's goodness to flow through our lives, this is the fruit. These desires bear the fruit that endorses the Father's glory. It endorses who the Father is. It says this, this is good. Look at the Father's goodness. This is good fruit. This is the testimony of who God is. This is why healing glorifies God, because God is a healer. This is why abundance glorifies God because he's a supernatural provider. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The silver is his. The gold is his. The entire world is his. He's the heir of the world. He's the lawful owner of all things. And when we have desires and we abide in him and we have these intimate conversations with him and we bear this fruit, this is what this is how the kingdom is designed to work. This is this is how the sower sows the word in Mark, right? It talks about the heart is our soil, that we our heart and our desires are the seeds, the words of Jesus that abide in us and produce fruit. And so, beloved, this is this is what ultimately desire is about. It is about intimacy. It's not about having an independent self over here that's judging desire good and evil and we're trying to please god and we're, we're we're saying i don't know if this is right or wrong and we're over here delighting ourselves in the lord and saying well just give me your desires give me your desires you know that's why when god asked me what do you want i, I kept thinking there was a right answer like i was going to be like solomon and ask for wisdom and then i was going to get all the rest of the stuff because the truth is i desired all the rest of the stuff and i just wanted to get the right answer so that i could be pleasing in god's sight and i would be righteous and i would be good so that i would be worthy of the blessing and that is a separated perspective. And that's why the Lord said back to me, I'm not asking you, what do you think that I want you to want? He said, if I wanted you to say, hey, Shalise, what do you think that I want you to want? He said, I just would have asked you, hey, Shalise, what do you think that I want for you? It's, it's, a, it's a valid question. It's not an invalid question. It's just not the question that he was asking. You know, I, I could say, Lord, what do you want for me? And he can tell me what he wants for me. What are your desires for me, Lord? This is an intimate conversation. What do you desire? I can tell you anytime I've ever asked the Lord that, what he, what he desires for me is exponentially more than what I'm experiencing. And when he asks me, most of the time when he asks me, what do I want? You know what? I have to sit there and think about this. Like I have to kind of get my gospel hat back on and be like, oh yeah, it's okay. Desire is, is not wrong. Desire is a tree of life. Like what I want is not wrong. Now, maybe the way that I go about it is wrong. Maybe my relationship with it is, it, maybe it's maybe I feel like, oh, I need this thing to be happy. Okay, now I'm not saying that God's not going to purify those things. But the way those are going to get purified, he's not going to come back and say what you want is wrong. You know, I, I mean, when you think about the scripture in, in James, let me think about how that how to how to look that scripture up here really quick. But it talks about um, I know I saw it. Uh, let me see if I can find it really quick and get into the context of the scripture in James that talks about. OK, this is James chapter four. Let me see if I can pull this up. James chapter four. Let me just read it in context here. Uh, James chapter four. Let's see. I'll read it in. I can't tell what version this is, but let me just read it. It says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, right? And that scripture, I don't have it pulled up in the entire chapter right now, James 4. Maybe I should try to pull it up. Um, but 
the point is what it's saying. It's not saying desire is wrong. It's saying you don't have what you desire, so you murder. You don't have what you desire, so you covet. But you don't have because you don't ask. So there is, I'm not saying that there's not a adjustment to our desire that happens in this intimacy with God, right? There was an adjustment to my desire when I was wanting kids. Because frankly, at one point in that journey, I had put being a mother into a place in my heart that frankly was idolatrous. I had, it was almost like if I did not have children, I could not, could not go on or something. And the Lord had to check my heart on that. Okay. But he was also, this scripture tells us it's not about not having desire so that you're not murderous, so that you don't covet. Like the way not to be murderous and the way not to covet is not to have desire. Like that's not what that scripture is saying. That scripture is saying, just ask. Okay. Don't do this independent. Do this out of a place of oneness and union with me. Because your desire, me being a mother glorifies God, right? He makes the barren woman to be the joyful mother of children and keep house. Barrenness is under the curse. So it wasn't nothing that we desire. Money, it's, 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 the, it's the, the idolatry of money. Money is our source. But God is a source of money is not a problem, right? Anything in and of itself, it has, I mean, he's given us all things freely to enjoy. He being freely to enjoy, right? When something gains a spot in our heart that is reserved for God, God is the source of my happiness. God is the source of my peace. God is the source of my joy. He's the source of my righteousness. Now, when I have that connection and that union piece down, well, now I'm not looking to things to give me something that I already have. I can just simply enjoy them. I can simply just, it's like, you know, the beauty of creation. Nobody goes out there and says, you know, looking at the mountain, enjoying the beauty of the mountain is idolatrous, right? Because we're not looking at the mountain as some kind of source of identity or source of fulfillment. Enjoying something is not wrong, okay? It's all about intimacy. It's all about union. It's all about entering into that place of oneness where yes our desires are one but it's because we're having an intimate conversation about these things god what do you want for me oh i want you to have a child okay praise god that's what i want what do you want i want i want i don't know whatever you want to say right i want to go and bless my family with a trip to africa to see the safari well that doesn't sound that sounds like an amazing idea right this this conversation that we're having with the Lord about our desires, these union-inspired desires, is a place where we enter into true discipleship. I just love what that says in the in the mirror translation. That discipleship is born out of desire. That it's not wrong. <laughs> it's 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 beautiful. It's the fruit of intimacy. Having our desires fulfilled is the tree of life, it says in Proverbs. So it becomes where we're living. Isn't it interesting that the tree of life and the scripture about 
union inspired desires in the context of abiding in the vine, abiding in the tree of life, right? That abiding in the tree of life, abiding in Christ, having his words and his desires implanted in us, having a conversation, intimate conversation is what produces fruit in our lives. So beloved, really, I think as we wrap up this series, the main thing that I, I guess I really want you to take away is, I mean, it's always kind of the same takeaway, right? It's, it's our union with Jesus is the most glorious, life-giving, desire-fulfilling, intimate beauty, beautiful, I, I don't even have words to describe what life in Christ feels like, what life in Christ is supposed to be about. It, it, it uh, the presence of God is life and our heart's desires are, are absolutely crucial to living a fruitful life, a union based fruitful life and having conversations and having intimacy with God is the key to this. You know, it's it's knowing, yes, that you're one with God, but it's also super practical. Guess what? Talking to God, talking with God, having intimate conversations with God, connecting with your heart. These are my desires. Whatsoever things I desire when I pray, believe I receive them. Well, I need to connect with what is actually in my heart. Lord, what is in my heart? What is in your heart? What's in our heart? What's in our heart? <laughs> what do you want to produce through my life? What, what goodness do you want to put on display through me? And so, beloved, as we wrap this up, I just encourage you guys to make intimacy with God the, the, the main point of this. Uh, make Realize that desire is the um, foundation of intimacy. In, and God desires you. God desires me. He desires to, 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 to be known. He desires for us to know ourselves. He desires for us to live in the freedom of Jesus. He desires for us to connect to our hearts and to see our desires fulfilled and to, to be an example that he is a God of desire. He is a God who fulfills desire. He is the God of desire. So God bless you guys. As always, if you have not done a breakthrough call with us and you are interested in hearing more about Emerge and stepping into your purpose so that you can have uh, these kinds of intimate conversations about your desires and really uh, connect with God in a meaningful way, uh, to understand his desires for you and to get on, you know, that same page with him uh, and schedule a call with us. And we are here to serve you. We love you. We believe in you and we believe in the desires of your heart. So God bless you guys. Have an awesome day and we'll see you on the next series. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is in part made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.